Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode five of Hedging Happiness. We are not getting any better at this, but we're going to keep trying. Today's episode, we're going to recap week four. We're going to include a new segment, Real or Fake. Additionally, we're going to have Faras Mishu, father of Luke, as our guest on the podcast today. Continuing, we're going to have a good week five preview finished with a snake draft of your top fast food restaurants. So let's get going. Week four. Luke, was this the best college football weekend we have had this year? Undoubtedly. I think there were a handful of very good games, a lot of interesting games, especially kicking off with the morning uh, Notre Dame versus Wisconsin. Yeah, and that was in Soldier Field. We had number 12 Notre Dame versus number 18 Wisconsin. My thoughts from that game, first and foremost, Wisconsin is not a good football team this year. Their offense, I don't even... I don't even know. They're a Big Ten offense, but they are one of your bottom tier Big Ten offenses where they can't do anything. That game was a close game, you know, until Notre Dame started to win the turnover battle, a couple pick sixes, a kick return touchdown, and really the doors blew open in that game. I think for Notre Dame, if you're a if you're a Notre Dame fan like me, a positive takeaway would be that their defense potentially could be figuring it out. Throughout that whole game, they've looked really good. And again, is that because Notre Dame has a, they're starting to figure their defense out, or is it because Wisconsin's offense is no good? And I think the more games that Notre Dame plays will kind of answer that question. Another thing that they kind of had to deal with was their backup quarterback coming into this game, Drew Pine. He's a different look. He was competing for that starting job. And to be fair, getting thrown into that situation, I thought he did pretty well, managed it very well in a pretty tough environment at Soldier Field and at the end of the day they won 41 to 13 which is a huge win like I said though they kind of blew it open and next week Notre Dame versus Cincinnati we'll we'll preview that in week five but that'll be a big one I like Cone I'm not as big of a fan of the freshman and I will say I think Notre Dame yes they're squeaking by that Wisconsin game was much closer than the final score but they're winning, and I think that says something. And in a, in a college football year like this, just survive in advance. Yeah, so I'm not quite as high on Cone. I think their ceiling is what they're doing right now. Like, they're squeaking by these games because he is limited. I don't think Buckner's got a real run. He was injured in that Wisconsin game, and that's when they're, you know, technically their third string. I think he's number two on the depth chart. But that Drew Pine came in, and he looked good. So, you know, they do have three solid options, but I, I do think their their ceiling is limited with Cone, but there's going to be some questions to be answered with his ankle injury going into Cincinnati, and we will see who is the starting quarterback going into that Cincinnati game. Going into really, I don't know if it's a surprise of the week, but it's certainly the surprise team of the year, and that's number 16, Arkansas. They played number 7, Texas A&M. Uh, why don't you talk about this game? This game was over very, very quickly. It AM did not have an answer for Arkansas's explosive start. Arkansas looks like a contender. We'll talk about it later, but they go through the gauntlet coming up. Very, very tough schedule. If they can get through that, I mean, if they can get through this weekend, 
with Georgia, they'll, they'll catapult into the top four, no doubt. And then it's a question of if they lose to, if they can survive with one loss, probably don't make the SEC championship game, do they still get in anyway? And I think the answer is yes, but they have four game or three to four more games, tough games coming up that we'll see. Um, I think the other part of that equation is Texas A&M is a complete fraud. If you are a Texas A&M fan, you have to be tired of Jim, paying Jimbo Fisher money to be middle of the SEC West. They just, they cannot get it done. And I don't understand. They have, they get all the talent. They get, have all the resources. So the, the logical point, place to point is the head coach. But you just paid him so much money, you almost like can't get rid of him. So I think they're between a, a rock and a hard, hard place. Another team between a rock and a hard place, Tennessee Vols. What a heartbreaking game. I was in Chicago at a bar going absolutely insane the first half. I thought we were about to pull off the upset. But you can only survive off big playability for so long. Eventually, you have to put together sustained drives and wear out the other team. And we just weren't able to do that. I do like the glimmer of hope, though. Florida did exactly what people thought Florida would do. They controlled the game apart from a few big plays and really snuffed it out in the second half. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, those three games, right, that kind of is a good segue into kind of how we did with week four. And that was, you had your all-day underdog money or underdog parlay. And as we talked about, Notre Dame took care of business, Arkansas took care of business, and then you had Tennessee. And you were in a tricky situation, like you were saying, because that first half, you were thinking screw the bet, the Vols are going to win this game. The, the bet will already hit, we're going to win this game, I'm going to win outright, double happiness is in the bag. And gosh, sure enough, Florida just came, they looked really solid, kind of like they did in the second half against Alabama, right? Are they a team that can just start to wear down the opposing team with their extremely well-efficient, run offense i think that's kind of what we, we we've been seeing the last couple weeks if you could stop emory jones escaping the pocket and running for first downs or running for yardage after the play breaks down i think florida struggles but we weren't able to do that alabama wasn't able to do that and you see that they can be pretty effective with that as their strategy going back to the all-day underdog parlay though I we texted after I was emotionally drained like you said I had hopes of Tennessee winning and then very quickly snapped to losing the all-day underdog parlay which would have bounced back the entire season I'm sorry to anyone who tailed me or faded me on the whole parlay that game came down that to one play it was a fourth and five and we threw a little a little slant route and the guy was wide open and just dropped it. No one around him. He may have scored a touchdown. I don't know. He drops it and suddenly we're down seven or we're down 14, then 21. And just not a sniff after that. Just so brutal. But I will say it doesn't hurt as bad when it's a parlay for some reason. It, a little a little less on the losses side as opposed to going you know one and one and two for sure and I think 
if you try to take the silver lining out of your day and your picks, you went one and one, but really you won three out of four games, right? So you're seeing the board maybe a little bit clearer because you won the first two legs of your three-leg parlay, and then you also finally get on the board with your lock of the week. And that once you talk about that, that was Kentucky, a team that you've been riding all season long. They've been good to you. And again, you, you're one in three now for your lock. So you finally got the monkey off your back. Big week breaking into the win column and the lock category. Kentucky knew they always had it in them. I'm big on this Kentucky team. I think they are very well coached. And I put a lot of I put a lot behind that with Mark Stoops. They go into Florida, or they host Florida this week, and they're eight and a half point underdogs. I think that one could be one to watch. Not one I want to touch, but definitely one I want to watch. Yeah, and I, they've shown that they're capable of, they're winning games right now, and they're being good to you, covering some spreads. So that'll for sure be a team that you'll continue to monitor as the year goes on. Me, on the other hand, I'm still struggling, still treading water. I haven't fully sank yet. I'm treading. I went one and two, which brings my overall record to six and 11. I lost the Iowa game. I also lost my lock of the week, Memphis. And I happened to win my love, which was Notre Dame. The Memphis game, that's going to be the one I'll talk about. They started this game, they're three and a half, three, I think I had them at minus three. And they started the game out 21 0. And I think I jinxed them once again. I did it a couple weeks ago with Army, and I just need to put my phone on airplane mode when it comes to my locks, because both times now I've called it way too early, and it was silly by me, right? They go up 21-0, and I'm texting Luke saying, Memphis, 21-0, I'm the lock master, I, I see the board with my locks, I'm so confident with these picks, and sure enough, Texas San Antonio, I can't even remember who they played. I, I tried to drain that game out. They come storming back. They win outright, money line. And the same thing happened with Army a couple weeks ago, like I said. So I'm just going to put my phone put my phone away when my locks are playing and just let the game play out. And I will only say I've got the game won when it's official. And that's going to be my strategy going forward. I think it's fair. You get usually get mad at me, though, when I go dark on a betting day so that's like going maximum darkness it's impossible for me to go zero dark 30 it's very hard for me to go zero dark 30 but when it comes to wins and losses it's something i i prefer to win more than i prefer to be quiet so it's a tough it's a tough decision that i need to make and ideally i would like to do both right talk about my great picks and how smart i am but right now it's one or the other well, look, we don't have much in the way of wins right now, so we just got to enjoy games that we're winning at the time because eventually they have been turning into losses and, the, you know, we can't celebrate those. So we might as well just celebrate. We might as well pick underdogs every game and just celebrate the shit out of those right when the kickoff starts because we're winning and we know we're going to end up losing. That's not a bad strategy. And we always have that backdoor potential outcome that we could get out of these underdog picks. I want to go back. I want to go back to one of Max's picks from last week. Max picked Fresno State minus eight thousand to beat. I don't even. I don't even know who it was. UNLV. You <laughs> know, and it was a Friday night game, 
and very quickly pressing the, and he's saying bet eight thousand and win one hundred or more if you want to win more. And this was a, his strategy for the whole year: do this twelve times, make twelve hundred bucks. Great Christmas, right? Fresno State went down fourteen nothing and was looked down and out, was clawing their way back. This could have been the all-time worst pick forever in hedging happiness, history, future, whenever. I mean, the strategy just, this is this is why you can't do that, right? It's a very good learning lesson for Max. I've experienced it. You can't just bet on these 30-point favorites because it happens. They lose outright. Simply put, there's not enough reward for that risk. He was sweating it out. I know he didn't obviously he didn't put eight thousand on that game, but he was still sweating it out. We had a funny text chain going. He ended up going one and two, with that being his only win. So I think we can give him maybe like a half a win for that for not being very courageous and picking a a spread that wasn't a money line that wasn't minus eight thousand. But my goodness, he he was a little nervous because if he loses that game. Doesn't even matter if he wins the other games. Doesn't even matter if he goes, wins his next 100 games, right? You lose one of those and you are done for your career. He pushes the guest overall record to, to a losing record now. So not a great showing for Max. Not a great showing indeed. All right, moving on to a new segment. Everybody, new segment alert. It is real or fake. What we're going to be doing here is Luke and I will be giving a team. The other person will... Simply state whether or not they are real or fake with just a few points of of why they think that reason. I'll start with asking the question of, is Arkansas real or fake? Arkansas is very real. They have arguably the two best wins this season in college football with Texas and Texas A&M. I believe they will shake up the college football playoff, though I don't think they have enough to make a run at it. Their schedule is just too much to handle with playing A&M at Georgia this week, at Ole Miss the next week, then hosting Auburn. I don't think they can make it. Next up, Notre Dame, real or fake? Right now, this pains me to say I think they're fake. They've just had way too many close games. I do think if they have a convincing win against Cincinnati, they can maybe start to be considered a real team. Until then, though, they're, I'll consider them fake. Flip side, Cincinnati, real or fake? Cincinnati, also fake. I think ND's going to win that one in another tight one, but I'm concerned about Cincinnati's offense. I don't think they ha- they can sustain a full game against a-, a decent team, and they're possibly playing to their competition, which I don't think you can do long-term. Fake. Iowa, real or fake? Yeah, so this is a... I'm going to say they're real, but I'm going to make a distinction, and I think we're both potentially on the same page here we aren't comparing any of these teams to Alabama they've been they're in a completely different tier so I think and maybe potentially Georgia so I think this is like this next tier of who can who's going to play Alabama and potentially Georgia right so with that like I said I want to say they're real my thought is they've done what they've needed to do they haven't really had any close games they've taken care of business they beat a good Iowa State team, or maybe maybe not a good Iowa State team, but I think they're real for right now. Another Big Ten team, Penn State, real or fake? Penn State, unbelievably fake. I could not believe when I was checking the rankings before this that they are number four. They beat a 
what looks to be a bad Wisconsin team, barely, be a unclear Auburn team, barely, and then beat Ball State and Villanova, and somehow that catapults them to number four. I don't get it. I don't buy it. We're wasting our time talking about Penn State. What about Michigan? Real or fake? Here's the answer every single year about Michigan. They are always fake until they beat Ohio State. So they will be fake until that happens. So right now, they are fake. Team that we didn't even think about putting on our short list because both of our answers are going to be the same. Won't even spend too much time talking about it. Oklahoma, fake. So fake. <laughs> so fake. So fake, but praying to God it's real. <laughs> yes, but we both know we're not even getting our hopes up at this point. Fake, fake, fake. The ultimate fake. Yes. All right, so that was our first new segment, real or fake. We're going to go back into now week five or week five preview. Two games that we've previewed for this week. Another really good college football weekend, potentially on paper. One of the games that we have highlighted, it shouldn't really be a surprise to any of you listeners at this point that I'm going to be talking about a Notre Dame game this weekend. We mentioned it earlier, number nine now, Notre Dame, versus number seven, Cincinnati at Notre Dame Stadium. The spread is minus two, Cincinnati. I think it's safe to say for both of these teams, it is the biggest game of the season. And more or less, it's the season on the line game, right? If Cincinnati loses their Power 5 team, they probably won't get in with one loss. If Notre Dame loses this game, they probably haven't been convincing enough so far. They haven't looked good. They look like they've got too many weaknesses to get into the college football playoff with one loss. So that's why we have that game um, as one of our games to watch. Big game. The other one is number eight, Arkansas, at number two, Georgia. They're playing at Georgia, Athens, Georgia, Sanford Stadium. Unfortunately, they're getting the 12 p.m. Eastern time kickoff because you have the Ole Miss-Alabama game at primetime SEC. Thoughts on the game is that this is going to be a great game. I know the spread doesn't indicate that at 18.5, minus 18.5 Georgia, but I am so excited about this game. The Arkansas head coach was the offensive line coach at Georgia before getting the head coaching job. And honestly, I think Georgia has the most to prove here. Everyone kind of said, okay, Georgia beat Clemson. They're in the top with Alabama. But as Clemson goes on, it's very clear that win doesn't mean anything. So now Georgia doesn't really have a signature win anymore, right? So this Arkansas game is actually very big for him. And Arkansas is going to be playing with nothing to lose, you know. George is the team that has the number one recruiting rankings, has the head, has the top head coach, multiple SEC appearances, national championship appearances. The national championships, that's their goal or bust. And so when you play like every game, I think it can make it interesting this weekend. So we've got a little bit of, you know, two coaches that kind of know each other relatively well. So we'll see, we'll see how that goes. Georgia has, like you said, They've got much more talent, but Arkansas is kind of playing with house money. Another great game within this week five. So now I think that's a good week five preview. Let's get into our guest for this week, Faraz Mishu. So you all might know him as Faraz Mishu, but to me, he's Abba. 
and he is the origin of many of the listeners' betting family trees. Abba, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Have you listened to the podcast yet? I listened to your first one for 20 minutes, and that was it. Abba, I respect the honesty. <laughs> I got busy at work. We've only had three other ones since then, but I respect the honesty and thank you for the first 20 minutes. <laughs> I've heard good things. So I think everyone listening was, we had, we had a lot of requests for you to come on the show. I think primarily because I am such an avid gambler and they know that I learned everything from you. And so kind of wanted to hear the the source of truth on everything. I thought the best way to, you know, bring you on the show would be to go into story mode. And so I was hoping you could tell two of your best gambling slash sports betting stories for us. Okay, the first the first story was when I was in college at Vandy. And there was three or four of us that gambled football. And it wasn't online. It wasn't, you had to go and find a bookie and physically bet the games. And there was a bookie called Don. And he's now known as Dumb Don. And I'll tell you exactly how he got his Dumb Dom, Dumb Don name. So anyway, we're gambling pro football one weekend. No, I'm sorry, it was a college football weekend. And we're looking at the lines, we're looking at everything. And, we, and the game is scheduled for 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock in the afternoon. But for some reason, they pushed it up to noon. And so we're looking at it and looking at it, and we say, let's go bet this game. And we go to Don's place where he, he had an old market, a little like a 7-Eleven store. And we start talking about the games we want to gamble, and we start talking about this game at 3 o'clock, and we realized, oh, it moved to 12 o'clock, and the game was already played, and Don asked if we wanted to place a bet on that game. Well, we already know who won. It was dumb. Don didn't know the game was pushed to, to noon. So we put $5,000. We didn't have $5,000. We put $5,000 on this, this game, and we were laughing the whole time. Even when we were losing, we knew we were going to win because it was, it was a lock. And so we ended up winning $5,000. That, that, anyway, that was our dumb Don experience. And that's, then we played with that $5,000 all year long. That is every better's dream. That's straight from Back to the Future with the Almanac. Exactly. That's, that's the first thing that came to my mind was Back to the Future. You've got an Almanac of surefire locks and that's the stuff that dreams are made of that you can't even make up in real life but incredible and the fact that you guys bet money that you didn't even have we we, we were Vanderbilt students we we had we had we didn't have five thousand dollars but we won he came and we got the five thousand dollars and we split it and we were betting all year long on that five thousand dollars can you imagine though if i if i had been watching the game and my team had gotten out to like or like a lot. I guess you didn't really watch the game, right? Because you knew it was already no, over. We, they may have... no. We 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 watched it uh, the first time. Yeah. <laughs> Did you watch it the second time? <laughs> no, there was no second time. <laughs> My next question is: Do you guys regret you didn't bet more? Yes, that's what I was going to ask. Well, five thousand was a lot in 1982, 1980. It was probably like twenty five thousand now. I mean, that was you ridiculous. Really suspicious. 
at some point, if Dumb Don figures it out, you're thinking you're going to get shot. <laughs> oh, yeah. Every corner I was looking around, you know, the whole semester, the whole semester was like that. It was like, where's Dumb Don? He's, he, he had to have figured this out. Dumb Don. Incredible. We, we all wish we had a bookie like Dumb Don. Yeah. He owned the J&J Market right near Vanderbilt on 21st Avenue. I could, I could use a, based on my performance this season, I could use a, a Dumb Don pick right about now. <laughs> I think we all could. The, the second story. The second story is the, see, Luke, you were 19 and underage for gambling for, at Vegas. And Mark, your little brother, was 16. But he could grow a full beard at 16. And we decided to go to Vegas. And we, you guys got, I remember you guys got your fake IDs. And it was me and you two and my brother, Somer, your uncle. And we were sitting there, he, he got in, uh, Vegas looked at the ID, Mark looked at him and they let us play and we had never had a problem all weekend. But I remember one time we were in the blackjack table, so I set the table up. Mark, 16 years old, sitting on my right, then, then it's me, and then to my left is my brother Somer, and to Somer's left is Luke. And we're playing blackjack and we're playing and we're playing and, and I'm... It's going on and on and on. And the more you play and you're winning, the bigger your bets are. And I remember getting like 18 and I stand. And everybody continues on. I'm not, I'm not paying attention to what happened. But the dealer gets a 19. And I lost. And I think she paid Luke. She paid Somer. And she paid me. And... About that time, Mark goes, hey, 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 just like he real, we all realized I shouldn't have been paid. She should have taken my chips. And with the hey, hey, as he was, and I, I, I give him a swift el elbow to the chest, almost knocking him off his chair onto the f casino floor. And I looked at him and it's like, and I was thinking, you idiot. I think I remember that story so well. I remember recognizing that you had lost and gotten paid. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, this just happened. Like, and it was a big bet, I remember. And I remember looking at Mark to see if he, because Amu looked, I looked at Amu and we made eye contact. He realized, you definitely realized. And Mark was still crunching the numbers in his head. <laughs> and you could see the moment when he realized and you were already watching Mark to see if he was gonna figure it out. And once he did and started speaking, Ah, right in the chest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gee, that was hilarious. Did the that dealer take the money back, or did she realize? No, she never realized. I, I got paid. That was Dumb Don's sister. I, <laughs> I was just about to say, I need to spend some more time with you and Dumb Don and Dumb Don's sister, because those are two incredibly favorable stories that I think we all need some of that luck in our life. So switching gears a little bit, we, at the beginning, introed the show as a betting show, and I think there's a lot of different types of betting. We've always focused on sports betting, but you know, you can do some financial betting in the stock market. And I would say in the last five to 10 years, you've become more focused on singular stock picks than before, and right now, you believe you're sitting on 
a pretty big winner. And so just wanted to hear hear about this pick that's gonna make you the sultan of a small country in Africa. Yes, this is, this is a, in my mind, a great stock. So for your listeners, I'm a geologist and an engineer, and I own a drilling company. So I know a little bit about the drilling business. This stock called Reconnaissance Africa, R-E-C-A-F, RECAF, they're an oil exploration company. So what they do is they go around the world trying to locate land that has oil. Well, these, these group of guys, they're experienced. They are ex-Exxon players, uh, employees, Halliburton, Schlumberger. These guys were the explorationists, I guess, for the big oil companies. And so they made a lot of money doing what they did, and they retired. And, but one of them decided to continue on independently and look around the world for the next big oil play. So they, he was going around in Africa because Africa is the last continent that has not been thoroughly investigated. So this guy comes to Namibia and he's talking to the N- Namibian oil minister and he says, I'm looking for you know any information you would have on any oil that you are aware of or potential oil that you're aware of. And he says, you know, I don't know what we have, but, you know, we do have this aeromagnetic survey that we flew many years ago and nobody's looked at it, but we have it. And so this guy said, yeah, let me look at this aeromagnetic survey. An aeromagnetic survey basically is an x-ray of the land. So he looked at this aeromagnetic survey, which encompassed like 8 million acres it's huge. It's a monster. And he looked at it and he couldn't believe what he saw. What he, what he saw was a, per, a Permian Basin structure the size of the Permian Basin that you're familiar with in Texas. That's where all the oil comes from. I think there's you know, 500 oil companies, drilling companies, drilling for oil in Texas. Well, this guy saw this Permian Basin and he jumped on it. And he cut a deal with Namibia where they get the rights to explore and produce oil in exchange for 10%. Namibia Namibia gets 10% of the oil, of the profits. So they cut a deal. They formed Recaf, the company. They went public. They bought a $12 million rig. They built it in Houston, shipped it to Namibia, and they drilled two holes, two wells. Both of them so far have hit oil. I bought it when the ship, when the rig was being shipped to Africa, to Namibia. So I bought it fairly early on what these guys were saying with no proof other than they were very excited about what they found. Well, the first hole, they hit oil and everybody got excited and the the stock market and the stock went up. Then they drilled a second hole and the stock went up again because they hit oil again. But when you drill for oil, you want to find the best location to produce oil. It's called a trap. And so they're about the business now of identifying the location where the traps are. And they're going to drill a third location to find to drill right in the middle of the trap. This is going to happen. 
in December. And it takes two months to drill. December, January, we should, we should know that we've got a ton of oil. And th then you hire a reservoir engineer to determine how much oil. They think, the guy said, there's between 60, do the math here with me, between 60 and 100 billion barrels of oil. The math is you get $5 per barrel if you joint venture with a big boy like Exxon. So Recaf joint ventures with Exxon. Exxon goes out there and produces all the oil. Recaf gets $5 per barrel. So if you have a billion barrels produced, you get $5 billion. Well, there's 200 million shares. Do the math, and you can see $1 billion is worth about 25 to 50 bucks. Well, they're saying there's 120 billion. Forget the 120 billion, call it 10 billion. 10 billion shares or 10 billion barrels of oil times $5 a barrel is 50 billion divided by 200 million shares. You're talking about three, $400 a share. Right now it's $5 a share. So you're talking about hitting it big, you're going to get a 10, 20, 30 bagger from today's price. And they hit oil, remember, they hit oil on the first two locations. So you think right now, right now would be a good time to buy? Look, it's a gamble, right? That's why it's at $5. I, I told myself, if it hits, it's life changing. Put what you can lose and gamble. You said it's gambling. It's gambling. It's, the stock market's gambling. This is a high risk stock. But if you research it enough, everything is pointing in the right direction. As a matter of fact, the CEO of Recaf just had a fireside chat with Goldman Sachs. Now tell me Goldman Sachs is wanting to have a fireside chat with a company that's not really going to amount to anything, right? We are beginning to get, Recaf is beginning to get attention at the higher levels. I think by the first quarter or second quarter of next year, you could be at, or we could be at $100 a share. Or more. People have thrown around $1,000 a share because this is bigger than the Texas Permian Basin. This is, or as big as a Texas Permian Basin. And the government is on our side. They love it because if we hit oil, if Recaf hits oil, Namibia is going to be very wealthy. And right now they're very poor. I could use a 30 bagger in my life right about now. I tell you what, when you explain that to me, and I'm already in recap, but you explain that to me and I ask Luke, say, why do I, why should I not buy more? And he says it's a gamble, right? Just like you mentioned. But when you explain it to me, hell, I'm going to go buy more right now. If, if it hits, I'm done. I, I, I'm done. I cash me out and I'm going to find an island, okay? <laughs> Everything they've, they've done so far is been positive they they're even drilling water wells in namibia for the villages so not only are they drilling the wells for the oil and exploring for oil but they're also participating in the villages and helping the livelihood or the the living style uh of all these villagers they used to have to travel walk six kilometers each way for water now they go to a well that recap drilled for them and they get water right then and there. Now, what kind of company 
goes out and drills 30 water wells for a Namibian village, what company does that if it's, a, say, a pump and dump? They're not. They're not doing that. They're acting like they're in it for real and they want to help Namibia get rich along with, of course, their stock going up. So that is the the skinny on recaf. I would say just for full disclosure, we are all invested uh, to varying extents. But, you know, I see it as a nice diversification opportunity with our football picks. So on uh, on weekdays, you got following the recaf ticker on weekends. You got football. It, it keeps you it keeps you. Busy. Oh, yeah. So. Abba, thank you for that. And I'm sure a lot of other people that are listening will be thanking you come January. I was going to say a nice diversification with a lot more of an upside than what our college football picks have been. Because certainly our college football picks have been a ton of downside. So I've got just listening to you talk has just put some hope back into me. And I'm going to use that hope short term with some college football picks but obviously like we said we're all in it long term you have about th- i think you have till the end of november to get in it at this price in december they're going to identify their location and they're going to start drilling and from there it's going to start creeping up and creeping up and in january they should be done with that well and they've already hit oil again, in the first two holes, which is amazing. Sometimes you drill 33, 40 holes without hitting any oil. We hit them in the first two. And now we're, now we're targeting the, the trap, which is where the oil pools. And that's where you want to drill your production wells. And so I think by the 1st of December, you know, it's going to start creeping up. And then when they announce the actual reservoir volume, that's when it's going to go, depending upon how much oil they say is there is, it, it could be 50 to 100 bucks, fairly easy, fairly easy. There you go, making people rich. Anyway, I think it's about time to get into our more near-term investments uh, with, our, with our picks for this week, running through our likes, loves, and locks. I, uh, I can kick it off with our likes. First pick, first like, number five, Iowa at Maryland. This brings a little bit of enjoyment. It's a little pre-weekend game, Friday night game. Spread is Iowa minus three and a half. They're playing at College Park, Maryland. Thoughts on the game? Both teams coming into the game 4-0. I don't think many people would know that Maryland's 4-0 right now, but they're, they're doing okay. They've got Tua's brother at quarterback, and he's, he's, he's pretty good. Like he, he throws the ball nice. This is what I'm going to title my let's not overreact pick. Everybody was all high on Iowa until last week when they struggled against Colorado State. Look, these Iowa is not Bama. Iowa is not Georgia. Iowa's going to have a couple uh, stumbles here and there throughout the season. But from what I saw in the first three games, Iowa is a very, very solid football team that should be favored, in my opinion, about by about 10 in this game. So I'm picking Iowa minus 3.5 for my like. I like that. I had them about as a 10-point favorite as well. That was one of the teams I was for sure on my short list. A team that I ended up going with, I kind of went back to what I always go back to, is these mid-major games. And this game is Boise State versus Nevada. The spread is Boise State minus 6.5. And 
in Boise, Idaho. My pick is Boise State minus six and a half, and here's why. Like I said, they're playing a home game, and for those of you who might not know, they're, they have a very unique home field advantage as their turf, their playing surface, is all blue. And if you watch a game on TV, watching them play, it's unlike anything you've ever seen before. It just looks like an ocean out there, right? All blue. I think it really does make a difference for these opposing teams coming in because it's got to mess with your vision, I would think. You play on green the whole time, whatever, and it, it's so different that it has to, you know, be an advantage for Boise. I think they're a solid, solid team. I do think Nevada is a little overhyped due to what I have this as the player to watch. And this is the Nevada quarterback, Carson Strong. There is a lot of buzz going on that he's going to be a potential first-round quarterback. We will see. He's the player to watch in this game. But as I said, my pick is Boise minus 6.5. I did another pick this week, too. This game is Michigan at Wisconsin. The spread is Michigan plus 2. This one is... In Madison, Camp Randall Stadium, my pick is Michigan plus two. This is another one that feels like Vegas is suckering you into it. Like, how is Michigan the underdog here? We just saw Wisconsin. They did not look good at all. I'm going to fall for the trap. Hopefully it's not a trap. As we mentioned earlier, Wisconsin is not good. They don't have an offense. What they're going to do is lean on their home field advantage. But I think with two losses this early in the season... That home field advantage isn't going to be as strong as what we saw against Penn State. And it was a neutral game against Notre Dame. But I I think that they know their season's over. So their crowd is just not going to be into it as much. So I've got Michigan plus two. Abba, what about you? What do you got for your like or likes? I like Cincy at Notre Dame. Cincy minus two and a half. For the simple fact, I don't think Notre Dame's all that at all this year. I think they're weak in the quarterback. They struggle against Florida State. And I think Cincy believes that this year may be the year they break into the playoffs because there's a lot of one-loss teams at the end of the season. So if you can go undefeated, you have to be in the playoff discussion. And I think, I think Cincy knows that. And, I think, and to boot, I think Notre Dame is not that good. I don't mind that. Cincinnati could be a, a sleeping giant a little bit based on their performance to start the year. And they've probably had this Notre Dame game circled from the very beginning, right? If we win, the, if we're undefeated, this is the game that's going to trip us up. And so it's possible that they've had the look, effect, look ahead effect all season. Rolling into Notre Dame, they'll be ready to go. For sure. Cincinnati's a team that we've been high on this podcast. And I think that's it's a good pick, right? You're kind of buying the game on the, – the line could be higher, but Notre Dame smoked Wisconsin, so I think that's a good number to get Cincinnati at. Let's go to the loves. I can start this off. I've got the game Oregon at Stanford. Spread is Oregon minus 8. My pick is Oregon minus 8. I think with everything that's going on, I just have to believe that Oregon's a good team at this point. There has to be some good teams in college football, right? We've seen a lot of the traditional teams that we've been accustomed to knowing as being these elite teams, Ohio State, Clemson, as we've mentioned before, being those really elite teams, falter a little bit. So who's next in line? That team for me is Oregon. 
talent covers this game, Oregon minus eight. Let's just keep it simple. I like it. My love this week is number 12, Ole Miss versus, or at number one, Alabama. Spread, Alabama minus 14 and a half. They're playing at Tuscaloosa, Bryant Denny Stadium. This is primetime SEC game, 3.30 kickoff. And I think it's going to be an absolute shootout, just like last year. I think Ole Miss is going to score. I think Alabama is going to score. I don't know who's going to score last. Last year's game was 63-48 and just a complete track meet. I don't think Alabama's as good, and I think Ole Miss is better. I think Lane Kiffin has this game circled, just like we talked about Cincinnati and Notre Dame. And I love getting 14 and a half points here, especially when I think Ole Miss could be up 14 points at any given point in the game. I'm taking Ole Miss plus 14 and a half. Abba, what's your love? Abba picks along with Nick. Stanford is going to lose to Oregon by more than nine points. Oregon, first of all, let's talk about Stanford, how bad they are. They struggled, although they won against a terrible Vanderbilt team who Georgia beat 65 to nothing. Stanford is junk. Oregon beat Ohio State at Ohio State. I'd gladly give up eight or nine points and take Oregon over Stanford. Not a problem. For us, I like that. Something I'll mention, too, that I didn't quite get into in that pick is I feel like the Stanford team has been hyped up a little bit too much with that win that they had over USC. And I think that's why this spread is in single digits. This is for sure a two-touchdown game, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm with you, Nick. I I knew I liked you. (laughs) Knew I liked you. All right, let's get into the locks. I will go first. I've got, and this might sound like, um, you know, repeating record here, but I'm going to go Army at Ball State. You already know who, who I'm on. Army minus seven and a half. This game is in Muncie, Indiana. Plain and simple, Army's a, they're a good team. And they're such a unique team that they're really hard to play against, really hard to plan for. They run the triple option, which, like we said, they run the ball pretty much every single play. And I believe Ball State is like a, they're a bottom 25 team for defending the run in the whole nation. And that's a recipe for disaster. It's a recipe for Army to have success and potentially score every single drive if they really wanted to. Army minus seven and a half is my lock of the week. No surprises there, you picking Army. Stick to what you know. For my lock, we're going to go to the opening SEC game. Number eight, Arkansas. Number two, Georgia. They're playing in Athens, Georgia. Spreads. Georgia minus 18 and a half. Let me repeat that. Minus 18 and a half for Georgia. I was blown away. That's about 10 points bigger than I thought it was going to be, especially Arkansas coming off the huge win. I assumed some major injury to their quarterback because he got beaten up towards the end of the A&M game. Arkansas, in my opinion, very proven so far in the season. Georgia can hang their hat on the Clemson game, but Clemson's proving to not be very good. I'm getting 18 and a half points in this. Georgia's offense, yeah, they whooped up on Vandy, but you know, what are we gonna what do we think about that? And how much does that influence how Arkansas's defense is gonna be? I think I think this game's very, very tight with Arkansas potentially pulling out a win here. I'm going on the record riding my high of a lock of my lock win of last week 
This is my life lock guarantee. Arkansas plus 18 and a half. We've seen it all. We've seen a triple lock. We've seen a double lock and everybody. Now we have your life lock guarantee. Arkansas 18 and a half. That's, that's a bold statement, but we need something like that. That's something to really turn our luck around this season is to put a life lock guarantee on the line. For us, you're, do you have a life lock guarantee or is this just a regular it's lock? It's a regular lock, but it happens to be the same as Luke's life lock. I think you guys are you need to guys you guys need to stay and keep your eyes on your own paper because I've got Arkansas plus 19 and a half. Uh, well, I got it for 19 and a half already. It's 18 and a half now, but I got them uh, covering over Georgia. I was at the Georgia Clemson game. They are hyped because of that game, just like Luke said. Clemson's offense is no good, so shutting him down to three points means nothing. Georgia scored 65 points against Vandy. That means nothing. And then they played a, a weak Birmingham team. So they really, in my, in my opinion, they have no history this season to give Arkansas a 19-point lead or a, a spot I think Arkansas on the other hand has played te- they played Texas who else did they played that last last week was it Texas A&M A&M look they are not 19 they may lose but they're not going to lose by 19 points yeah and we talked about them earlier in the show too and we we think they're a for real team this is their test that's just so many points right for a good team and Georgia, if they end up covering that game, our expectations for Georgia, or, or maybe our expectations, but what we've thought about Georgia is going to go through the roof. Because like both you guys have said, they haven't done anything to reward them getting 19 points against Arkansas. If they do cover, though, they, they might be the front runner for the national championship. The Michu name riding on Arkansas and the points this week with both getting the lock stamp of approval. Well, Frost was saying, don't look at my paper, but it was funny because I texted Luke yesterday, right when the lines basically came out, and I sent him probably 10 picks. And I was like, I love the board. And I feel like, and we might get, we might get bit here, but I feel like there were some pretty obvious games that really stood out and just jumped at us. It was like, why is this that line? Arkansas was one of those games. That number is just way too high. Oregon, another one of those games. That not that number was way too low. And there was a few other ones. So I think this is a great week. You kind of feel like you're understanding which teams are, are for real and which teams are fake, if you will. So that is our likes, loves, locks for this week. As always, We're going to finish the episode with our snake draft of fast food restaurants. Luke, I kind of rigged the order last week. Why don't you, don't rig it, but why don't you divvy out who's going which place? All right, Beasler, pick a number one through three. I don't like this. I don't like what you're going to do here. Three. All right, your third. Abba, pick a number one or two. One. No, it was two. Your second. I'm first. (laughs) I've seen that trick before. (laughs) All right. My first pick, and it might be overvalued, but I can't risk it getting off the board without until getting my sixth pick. 
I'm going to go Sonic, number one. I have a very soft spot because of the bacon cheeseburger toaster and chili cheese coney dog and five-piece chicken strip dinner. It's, it is my death day meal, right? What I just described to you. Sonic, number one. Cubed ice. It hits different. And a Sonic Blast. Oh, it's so good. I like it. Abba, you are up second. Okay. A lot of people don't like this fast food. They, they can't stand this fast food, but it's my favorite. I would eat it all the time. Crystals or up north, White Castle. I love those suckers. They, I can eat five or six of them, and, and then I'll get sick feeling after I eat five or six of them, but man, it was good while it lasted. I just, and the softer the bun, the gooier the bun, the better. White Castle. Didn't I, to be fair, if we're in the trust tree here, are we in the trust tree? Sure. Okay. I've never had White Castle. No. Yeah, we're in the trust tree. We're in the trust tree. <laughs> never had White Castle. Wow. You'll have to, um, White Castle's on you next time we see each other. Yes. Don't want it to get too deep into your wallet there, but <laughs> we'll be rich by that time with recap. <laughs> All right, number three. I'm not. I'm a little confused here. If you guys consider this fast food, because I can't believe it's here, but it's Chick Fil A, right? That's fast food. Yes, hundred percent. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So that's number. That was number one on my list. It's incredible. It plays. The only downside is it's not open on Sundays, but I think that makes you crave it more because it's not available on that Sunday. Chick Fil A number one. My second pick. I'm gonna ask. For clarification, I can go either way. I had five guys, but I wanted some clarification. Five guys checks out. Five, five guys, guys is considered fast food. I would consider it. Uh, I guess, can you go through a drive-thru window on five guys? No, I've never seen a, a drive-thru. Yeah, so maybe not. That's sort of the definition of a fast food is you got you to you drive-thru. And that's that's kind of what I had thought as well, um, which is why I just wanted to clarify. Because that's one of those iffy ones where it could really go either way. My second pick then is going to be Steak and Shake. This one really hits me. You can get some cheese fries here, solid burger, Steak and Shake, and their milkshakes are fantastic. That's my second pick. So to Abba, to you now. Popeye's chicken. It's it's a the spicy chicken is phenomenal. If you ha you probably haven't eaten that Popeye's chicken, have you, Nick? Have I've you had Popeye's eaten Popeye's. I've eaten. I actually when I visited Luke for New Year's. Uh, two couple years ago, I had Popeyes at about nine thirty in the morning, the day of on New Year's Day, and it still was very, very delicious even at nine thirty. So I approve of that pick. Good, good, good. It's 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 a it's a taste treat. It is. All right, Luke, so that puts me at the sixth pick. I'm actually surprised this one didn't come off the board earlier, but got to go with Taco Bell. It's actually going to be we're going to try and make it our wedding night, like midnight snack so i feel like i got to put it up there makes sense if, if you guys are putting that as your midnight snack then it's got to be high on your fast food list it's, it has to be and then and then you gotta if mcdonald's doesn't show up on this list then is it really a fast food list and so i'm taking mcdonald's with the number seven overall pick well you get two choices right there boom boom Uh oh we got someone snake lost in draft. the snake <laughs> Oh, you, okay, the snake. Okay, now it's my turn. I, I'm always in the middle. You get two, I get one. Nick gets two, I get one. Okay. Exactly. Bingo, bingo, bongo. <laughs> All right, I'm going Subway. 
Oh. I like the Subway sandwiches. They have a drive-through. I like them. I like the hot sandwiches at Subway. They're uh, they're real good to me. That's a great college meal too, because you feel like you're kind of eating healthy, even though it's fast food. So you go to Subway. I have a trivia question for you guys on that pick between McDonald's and Subway. Which has the most franchises in the world? Subway. Really? They beat they beat them about five years ago. They're like almost double McDonald's now. Or smoked them. Absolutely yeah. smoked them out of the water. Is it because they yeah. stick them in like convenience Everywhere. stores and like smaller strip locations? Centers, yeah. Strip centers. Every strip center. Yeah. And McDonald's typically are standalone, expensive properties. So they space them out. Yeah, that was my fun fact, though. For us, he knows his fast food places. He knows his Subway. I like it. All right, let's finish it. We're going to go three picks, right? Or do we want to go four? Three's good. Three's good. Okay, with the last pick of the draft, I'm going to go with Panda Express. Ooh, very good one. I've never eaten at Panda Express. Yes, well, now, you know, we've got (laughs) something in common now. (laughs) You've got something on your list. I've got something on my list. For me, Panda Express is a place where you don't go very often. But every time you go, you're like, why don't I come here more? And then in about an hour and a half later, you it answers that question of why you don't go there more. You don't feel great. But while you're eating it, it is in my top nine fast food places, Panda Express. It's a Chinese place for you, for us, by the way. Yeah, it's that with that panda bear on the, yeah, I remember that guy. It's like hibachi to go, basically. Something like that. <laughs> hibachi to go, Panda Express. You know who's a big, big fan of Panda Express? One of our friends. Mr. Well, that Polish guy that you're friends with. <laughs> yeah. This is like Danny's like go-to death day fast food restaurant. Danny Lojek, big panda guy. It's a little surprising. He's so skinny. I haven't seen him in a while. Maybe if he's having a bunch of panda, maybe he's not quite as skinny anymore. I'll see him soon, hopefully. But Okay, well, that does it for the snake draft. That does it for our fifth episode. For Ross, thank you so much. That was an awesome interview. It was something different, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think it's going to be a different little flavor on what we normally give. I really do think the listeners are going to enjoy it a lot. And again, thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. Of course. All right, that does it here. Episode 5 is in the books. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will talk to you guys next week.